messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After These Messages. This is, in fact, the podcast where we talk about TV commercials. We talk about the good ones, the not-so-good ones, and the ones where people say weird shit like this. Bud Light, you got the problem with that. I don't got a problem with that. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Has. Hey, Veeves. Hi, Andrew. So I had a whole plan today that I came up with at kind of the last minute to uh, record a show in the midday today off of the Hallmark Channel. I believe the movie was a 2015 movie called Bridal Waves. Is that right? Or Bridal Wave, I believe? Probably Bridal Wave. About a woman who... uh, The phrase is Tidal Wave. Right. And she... Well, of course, if you have more than one Tidal Wave, it would be Tidal Waves. Also a word. Yeah, but I mean, you never... It's rarely... Really, the phrase is it's a Tidal Wave. I feel like we're getting bogged down. Anyway, I was going (laughs) to... As we've sometimes done in the past, I thought, well, that's a channel and a day part that I don't watch all that often. Now, sure, I watch a lot of Hallmark movies and mysteries yeah what adult man doesn't that's different than daytime straight up hallmark channel bridal wave so i was going to record it as a matter of fact i did record this on our uh, dvr and i was going to just kind of walk you through some of the commercials that happened during programming like that but you had a better idea based on what's been going on in the news specifically today of course we are taping this on tuesday the 5th of september and our wonderful president had another great announcement yes um he uh, is very concerned about the safety and security of our nation and who is threatening the safety and security of our nation more than the 800,000 DACA recipients who have been vetted by the government and are in school or working. Oh, yeah, because they've been shooting up a lot of public institutions right. and schools and stuff. They've been behind a lot of terrorist attacks yes. and oh, no, horrible wait. things happening to this country, right? That's not them. Yeah, it's a, it's the, uh, for the, for anyone who's been under a rock, it's uh, the, the program is called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Don't even get me started on a rock. <laughs> Uh, it's known as DACA, and I spent the last my last week and today in particular preparing for this eventuality and working at a university. Obviously, that impacts us a lot because we have students who uh, will be affected by the change. So it got me thinking about how immigrants are depicted in media, and what do you know? I do a media podcast. All right, so we're going to talk about that. You prepped that segment. I'm looking forward to finding um, what you uh, what you picked out. So you found a bunch of uh, commercials that kind of address immigration or at least have immigrants in them in, in some way. Yeah, I think in, in, in each of these, there's a, there's a story about immigration, and it's kind of interesting to look at how uh, an ultimately cynical form of media and storytelling addresses this issue, if at all. And to say that there weren't a lot is an understatement. This is not... There's there's no there's no reason for most products and services to wade into immigration. And when they right. do, it's with mixed results. And I think you were looking for stuff that wasn't too on the nose. Not like the... I guess we'll get into it. This is just supposed to be the show intro, but like not necessarily the immigration story of Anheuser-Busch that we talked about to death after this last Super Bowl. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it. Okay, we'll get into that. Also, commercials in the news. I need a sound effect for my voice. The NFL has changed one of its strict rules regarding advertising during its games. I am astounded not that they changed the rule, but that the rule is there in the first place. This whole thing has got me 
topsy-turvy, Veeves, and we're going to get into that. Plus, uh, we're going to check in with you guys. I went to the old Facebook page and uh, pulled a bunch of the uh, conversations you guys are having there. Uh, I want to go over some of the commercials you've been posting there. First, though, let's get into this immigration business. listening to it here and i do want to finish listening to it johnny walker the uh, scotch company uh put together this little video that i found on youtube it's uh chicano batman the four-piece uh you know music group doing the uh, classic was this a pete seeger song uh, Woody Woody Guthrie. Guthrie. yeah They're all dressed up in like three-piece suits, and they're kind of obviously walking through LA and just having a like a big LA day with taco trucks and Johnny Walker, and they just all look super cool. I have to tell you, I did not know about Chicano Batman. You haven't heard of them at all? No. See, I've heard of them, but I didn't really know what their deal was. I thought that that was just like the nom de plume of the lead singer. I didn't realize that's the name of the whole band until recently. Um that guy is just so cool. Yeah, I just want to be him. Isn't that great? I thought it was a good way to kind of kick off this show because while the news today is depressing, um, I don't know, man. I didn't want to start with something that we always start with something that's a little bit, I don't know, tongue in cheek or light, but I wouldn't be flip about it. So then I was like going through all these songs are like very, very serious songs about immigration. I was like, oh, that's all. And then I found this. And I also, um, I wasn't sure if in your research you had come across it. So like Johnny Walker just kind of produces this cool little music video where you have these Latinos singing a classic American folk song, um, and also, I guess, to a degree, hawking their brand. Yeah. It checks all the boxes for me. No, it's great. I, I Kudos to Johnny Walker. That's really nice. Yeah. So uh, what else you got? What else? Well, let's start. Where do you want to start, maybe I should say? Well, let's start with a few that we're not going to get into. <laughs> let's start Let's start where we're not oh, starting. Oh, Veeves, you've been working with me too long. <laughs> um, I did want to make sure that people know that we, we remember the... Super Bowl ad from the most recent Super Bowl that Budweiser did that was this this immigration story of um, Adolphus Bush, I think, oh, who, yeah. who started one of the, you know, uh, Anheuser-Busch, uh, who emigrated from Germany, uh, makes his way sort of uh, to, I guess, St. Louis and meets uh, Anheuser. Uh, so I'm not going to get into that one. We talked about it. I think our fill-ins, uh, Nick and Rosen, f- talked about it, and then I think we talked about it after that. So I feel like we've sort of beaten that one to death. Um, it's a, I think it's a, I think it was a good story, and I think they probably did actually make that commercial before immigration became such a, a, a you know, important and central topic. We've also talked about an ad that University of Phoenix does that features. The real story, although they use an actor for the young man part, the real story oh, yeah, of a, a migrant one. worker, and it's never explicit made explicit that he's an immigrant, but I think it's fairly clear from the signals that he is probably an immigrant um, who went on to become like a, a I think a 
a nurse or like a uh, some kind of some kind of health or medical professional. Yeah, and um, he's definitely growing up in a Spanish-speaking uh, part of town because there's like a yeah, group they say of it's, his... centri- it's uh, like... Oh, does it oh, actually say where it is? It's all Centro, California. Uh, and there's like a moment... a pretty poor city. He's like working his ass off doing like some kind of really tough and in some cases kind of um, just kind of back-breaking work and it, you see him at the end of a day like carrying his bike up the stairs to his apartment and a bunch of his friends drive by in a car having a good time. They're like... I think it's like Asa La Vista Professor yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That's a great man. I know you've said it a million times on this show, but the University of Phoenix. Their ad game is strong. It, man. Totally killing strong. it. Yeah. I'm actually to the degree that I rewatched that one today and I I'm thinking about that one. I'm thinking about the uh Oh, I do this every time. The wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of his name. The uh, one where he calls his Larry mom. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. Thank you for saving me there. Um, and uh, another one you brought up the other day, and I'm just like, I'm actually excited for the next University of Phoenix commercial. Yeah. Like, I can't think of another one where I'm just like, when's the next U of P going to drop? <laughs> do yeah. they call it that? They, nobody calls it U of P. You know, it's U funny. Of- I work for a university. We do an ad uh, every year, kind of a big budget ad that we air during like uh, our football games because our football games play to a fairly large televised audience. Um, and then particularly if you know if we go to like a national bowl game or a you know playoff game or something. Um, and so a lot of effort and time. People on my team work really hard to make sure that ad is is beautiful and well produced, and I think they do a great job. But the University of Washington. The University of Washington. Yeah. They they do a wonderful job. It's a great ad. But I gotta say, it doesn't tell a single singular story the way that the University of Phoenix does. Now, University of Phoenix is for profit. They do many ads in a year. We do basically one. It's just a different kind of thing. But it is it is noteworthy that like the University of Phoenix ads are so good and they're so memorable. And we've talked about them probably three or four times on our show. And I know I don't want to put you in a position to comment on this because obviously it's a commercial that for the institution that you work for. Um, but I will just say I think the University of Phoenix commercials do a better job of speaking to those who aren't already kind of part of the community, if that makes sense. There's something about living in Washington and I think the Seattle area that people kind of already – I'm not going to say you don't have a lot of transplants here because clearly you have a lot of transplants, but a lot of the people that you meet here grew up in Seattle, surprisingly, as two people, you and I, who grew up in the Midwest or the East Coast and then spent our young adult years on the East Coast. When we came out here, we kind of realized, wow, a lot of people were have stayed here. You know, they, they grew up here, they went to school here, and they got jobs here. And so I felt like the uh, UW commercials that are airing kind of speak to that a little bit, whereas University of Phoenix, they're, like you say, a for-profit school that's kind of trying to appeal to the entire yeah. country and bringing people Their in. Their recruitment needs and and uh, opportunities are different. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to sort of acknowledge that those are two that are out there that have talked about immigrants and immigration in a, in a particular way, but we're not going to dwell on them. Budweiser and Phoenix. Yes. Yeah, U of we, PH. Right. Um, <laughs> since we've talked about them before. I did want to mention 84 Lumber. This is one that I think Nick and Rosen probably talked about. It was a big news it was one of those like newsy ones from the super bowl because um it would cause controversy fox wouldn't let the whole ad air um we talked about this on uh, when we were in uh kcrw but i think it got cut out of the final oh, thing did it? yeah because yeah. yeah, i remember reading up on this yeah it, it so this is an ad that um it's like three minutes long the whole thing 
but they only aired the first half of it during the Super Bowl. It features a mother and daughter on what probably what what is depicted as a like a a journey to the U.S. border from somewhere some point south. Mm-hmm. It's not made clear exactly where they're coming from, but somewhere in Latin America, probably Mexico. They have to take this incredibly arduous journey through deserts, riding in the back of trucks, sleeping on the ground. I mean, it's really pretty brutal. There are the conditions they're in. Um, and along the way, the little girl's picking up little pieces of garbage and trash and things. And you see her like making something with them as they go along. When they get to the U.S. border, the wall has already been built. Mm. Trump's wall is there. And just when all hope is lost, and the little girl takes out what she's been making the whole trip, and it's a little sort of makeshift American flag, and for a minute mm. your heart breaks. And then the mother spots like a crack of light, and they walk around a corner and see that what we've been, while they've been walking, these workers that we've been seeing that we sort of assumed are building the wall, were actually building a great door in the wall, and they push the oh, door right. open and yeah, walk yeah. through. Yeah, right. You know what? I'm clicking through this as you're discussing it. I've never actually seen it because we did a pre-Super Bowl show. And they hadn't aired it yet. And they hadn't aired it yet, but I had read the descriptions of it. And then, but I I, I thought that they tried, did you read, did they try to backtrack on what the message of this was about? Because 84 Lumber, I thought it actually had some conservative leadership and that this whole thing has been they kind of taken out of context or something. I think that it was a, conf- yes, you're right. I think that it the campaign or the ad itself is, came from a confused place. The person, the woman who owns 84 Lumber, uh, it's, her name's Maggie something. I can't think of her last name. It's like McGurka or something, uh, is a, was a Trump voter. And she says that when Trump talked about his wall, he once, he at one point said, and there's going to be a great big beautiful door in the wall. And this is, <laughs> this is the people, this is the, the, uh, crystallization of people who took him literally yeah. <laughs> versus seriously. Do you think that there's like a disconnect? See, this is the part of the story that I never quite got. Do you think that there was kind of a disconnect between the, um, you know, the, 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 did you say she was the owner, the CEO of the She's company? She's the owner and founder. Um, and like her creatives, just like, cause it's a pretty big company and her not having oversight. Cause it just seems like, yeah, it just seems weird that if she really – it's one thing to accept Trump, but during this time, during the Super Bowl, um, if you were like out front as a Trump supporter, especially a prominent one, that really was taking a stance, I feel like. Or maybe I'm just way too – That's why I say this was a confused – Left coast. I think this but. came from a confused and not well-informed place. I think she's she typifies the kind of Trump voter who heard only the parts she wanted to hear – the thing about 84 Lumber is they're a fairly large lumber company. They make, obviously, they sell building supplies. Um, many of their customers are immigrant laborers. Sure. Many of, and they were, this is also a recruiting, essentially, the, the audience here is not only people who need their supplies, but people who they need to work for them because they, they were in a heavy recruiting mode when this commercial was huh. made, which, I mean, this is obviously like about come to America if you strive and work hard, you know, if there's a job for you. Uh, like that's the that's the that's the narrative. That's so crazy. But it just doesn't make any. Just, none of this makes none sense of it makes me. a lot of sense. Like trying to un, trying to unwind this commercial and and the motivations and the thinking that went into it are, I think, a sort of pointless exercise. Mm. A lot of coverage of it afterwards was like, oh, we didn't know we were courting controversy. Bullshit! Bullshit! They knew they were courting controversy. They know they knew that. 
by having only half of an ad air because the Fox deemed the other half yeah, too sure. controversial. They would drive people to their website. I mean, I think it was pretty cynical. Mm. And I think this trying to split hairs about like, oh, there's a wall, but also there's a door in the wall, <laughs> metaphorically or otherwise is ludicrous right what if what if they did this whole commercial exactly how it's done and you know very moving and but the little girl's collecting these little scraps of paper along the way right like grabbing them off of a barbed wire fence and one that's blowing in the wind and then at the end she puts it all together and it's not an american flag it's a maga hat (laughs) right that would be maybe even more on message exactly all right what else you got uh, I wanted to look at this one from from Adelo. I think we may have talked about this one, but I think it's worth revisiting because this is probably the most. And I should say, you you would I'd said earlier. Oh, I want to look at commercials where immigrants are just part of the story. The thing is, commercials are so distilled and they're so careful about what they're including in their narrative that if an immigrant is included in the story, it's he or she is there intentionally. Mm-hmm, it's right. very hard to find one where it's sort of incidental, and there are a few in here yeah. where we can kind of talk about that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because, like, you can't just know if somebody is an immigrant. I guess the only way, without it explicitly being said, is if you're clearly in an American setting, a United States setting, and somebody has a thick accent. Yeah, that's one way. Um, I think that the uh, University of Phoenix ad is the is the closest example of that because it's never made explicit, but it's just sort of clear from the mm-hmm. signifiers. This is an ad for Modelo beer. Um, and it's a, it features uh, a veteran named Juan Rodriguez Chavez and he's, they just tell his story and it's really beautifully done. Um, he's a veteran and I, I won't, I won't even over explain it cause the, the narration does a great job. And what you're seeing as you hear this story is him enjoying Modelo's and also serving in the military. Okay. Juan Rodriguez Chavez and his family fought to become American citizens. He wasn't born here, but that fact never once crossed his mind the four times he put himself in harm's way to save the men who were. Since 1925, we've proved that it doesn't matter where you come from, it matters what you're made of. Modelo Especial, brewed with a fighting spirit. That's great. I think we have talked about that before. That's wonderful. I was just doing a really quick look here to see if we were talking about how all of these uh, beer companies now, whether they were whether they're classic American brands or classic Mexican brands or what have you, like they're all being made out of like one conglomerate. They're all made by Anheuser Busch. It is this AB InBev. I'm just looking this up here. Yeah, 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 there it is. Yeah, uh, the Belgian Brazilian company. <laughs> yeah. Not even United States. Yeah. Don't ever let anyone tell you it's not a global economy. Right. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, great ad though. I mean, is it cynical though? When I mean, is it cynical or not? I don't know. I it, sure it probably is. I think it's. I think it's so well done. Um, it's such a light touch. And it speaks, and he is a real guy. There's actually another, there's like a one minute, I don't know if it's an ad exactly, but it's sort of like additional content mm. where he, uh, where Juan Rodriguez Chavez actually just talks to the camera and tells his own story yeah, in much yeah. more detail. And he's a true hero. I mean, he, you know, he, he really did save like a lot of lives in the army. Um, so uh, it's, I just think it's well done. And because I think there's a real, 
uh, feeling of authenticity to it. They they do it very well. They they thread the needle very carefully. Yeah, and listen, you got. I mean, I think I ask you that all the time. Like, is it cynical or not? Like, people are selling products here. Sometimes they decide to also deliver some information along with that that has something to do with social issues. Sometimes it's done really clunkily, and I hate it. Sometimes it's done really well, mm-hmm. and I like it. Um, maybe it's time to just retire that question because they're also trying to sell beer like yeah. if these folks weren't trying to sell beer they wouldn't be just making psas about remember to respect your uh your neighbors who maybe weren't born in this country because they fought for your country too you i know? do think there's i don't know how much of Modelo's uh marketing decisions are made by the people who found who who started Modelo. in other words like i don't know how much of this is coming from some corporate office in belgium or is it or is there still some someone who has been with Modelo since the beginning who still like sees it as a Mexican product and a Mexican piece mm-hmm. of Mexican identity. If it's the latter and it really is about sort of its Mexicanness, I think that's a really cool story. Like we're a Mexican beer. We're enjoyed by people all over the world. And it's a reminder that someone came from Mexico and became a contributor in the U S and I think that's a great analog for what their product is so that's a really cool story and and in that way i don't find it cynical what about zillow zillow this is interesting this is uh, probably as close as it's, as i'm going to get to that sort of incidental immigrant story this is a story about a couple obviously it's zillow they're buying a house but they're buying a house for a specific reason because they're adopting a baby and the baby that they're adopting is really a toddler the kid they're adopting is from some unspecified foreign country so yeah. just a reminder that immigration takes place in a lot of different ways checking out the listing on zillow i sent you yeah i like it this place has a great backyard i can't believe we're finally doing this all of this stacy benjamin this is daniela <laughs> They, they see their beautiful little toddler, and they break into tears, and then they all move into their beautiful new house mm-hmm. together. Nice. Yeah, it's nice, that's right? Yeah. Um, but I do think it's worth remembering that I think immigration has come to mean a couple of things to people, probably, like, not people, everyone, but when we when we think and talk about it in the national discourse, it's uh, it's boiled down to the idea of Latin American people crossing the border somehow or being Mm -hmm. here illegally. It feels like that's the only story we hear about. And it's just immigration is such a bigger story. Yeah. I'm I'm not trying to minimize the, the, the threats that Latin Americans in this country are facing. Obviously, they're serious. The reason I'm hesitating here is because I don't know if this is relevant or not. But I'm going to say it. Because I'm one half of this podcast and I get one half of a vote. Uh, I mentioned earlier I was kind of struggling for the right tone to begin the segment with, with music of some sort. And I always like to check out what Schoolhouse Rock has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like. Just, I, you learn a little something? I learn a little something. I learn how bills become laws. I think that's how do laws become bills. I need to rewatch that one. But listen, I like to find things that are a little bit campy, a little bit old, have a little bit of audio dust on them. You know what I mean? And. I came across this thing called the Great American Melting Pot, a schoolhouse rock presentation. So these would have been from the 70s, maybe the 60s. And I almost used it, but my problem with it was, we're talking about immigration here, but God, I'm such a damn snowflake. I guess what I'm trying to say is, here I am trying to somehow 
have fun with, but also capture the idea of what's going on in the country today when we think about immigration and immigration reform and all that stuff. Yet when you talk about immigration and you're trying to teach kids about immigration back in the 1970s, the video almost comes off as, if not tone deaf, racist. First of all, look at the – I have it up here. I'm going to play it. But even just look at all the faces that are um, that are kind of represented. It's somewhat cringe-inducing the way they have the, – how they depict the Asian woman, I think. She's I don't wearing know. A, like a rice – you know, circular pointy hat. Right, which I know is a real hat. But w- And then you watch this and here, maybe racist is the wrong word. A little reductive, maybe. Certainly reductive and certainly very specifically from a white perspective. My grandmother came from Russia, a satchel on her knee. My grandfather had his father's cap Italy. They'd heard about a country where life might let them win. They paid the fare to America and there they melted in. Lovely Lady Liberty with her book of recipes and the finest one she's got. Now, we're looking at her so-called, we're looking at Lady Liberty's so-called cookbook here. And inside, you see the Great American Melting Pot ingredients. Now, here you have Armenians, Africans, English, Dutch, Italians, Chinese, Poles, and it goes on, Puerto Ricans, Portuguese. But everything else in this song just references, like, the old country, Europe. It's 100% just European. And every now and then, yeah. they'll, they'll say there's something in, in the line here about it doesn't matter what color of your skin or your religion. And then when... They say those lines, you see like a cartoon of like, I think a Buddhist guy laying on a bed of nails. Would that be Buddhist? No, would that be, t- what would that even be? Here, just keep watching. You you have better words than I do. Everybody knows that. Uh, America was founded by the English. But also by the Germans, Dutch, and French. You're missing a big category there. Right, right. No mention at all of uh, of Native Americans. What was that image we just saw? It was sort of like cart it was you know a guy in a turban on a bed of nails yeah. like a fakir. Yeah. I mean it's I'm not even sure what religion that is pointing to hinduism maybe? i guess it's a hindu hat is hindu or a hat that would indicate but that. i it's more just like exotic oriental okay so i'll just stop it here but that's my point like even going back to something like this and this was in my lifetime just the idea of how we even talked about like this idea of you feel good it's america it's the american melting pot but there's no real indication at all that any of these people's ancestors came over here as slaves or oh uh, yeah or I don't see their a land was person. taken from them or that they've traveled from the south yeah it's um it's problematic, as we like to say. I don't know why I needed to bring that up, but it's just it reminds you like how recent any kind of discussion that has been inclusive is on right. this topic. Like for so, for so long and so recently that until you and I were basically adults, uh, white Western white the white descendants of Western Europeans were dictating the terms and the and the and the parameters of the conversation so 
in in a way that's actually sort of reassuring to me because it's like well obviously we can't move we we, we can't move fast enough to change that right. but it has been a relatively recent development it's true that we've made some progress and then i just i, I really but, shy away from that phrase we've made right some of course progress. you know i i understand but th- this whips me into a, a a fury and i don't know why i need to get into this now other than we're talking about it but this idea of what a melting pot is. I mean, I feel like so many people who cast ballots for a certain current U.S. president, and I'm not even talking about the hardcore right. I'm not talking about the people who are marching in Virginia. I just mean this idea of, what What do you mean? This is a melting pot. We're all equal. Why do we have to have a special month yeah, for African Americans? We solved this already. We solved, like, and... and, and Where's my parade? This, this is the perfect example. I think that we're living. This was, here was your parade. It's still going on. Yeah. It's still going on. Anyway, I'm just I'm burned out. I'm burned out on everything. That's do we have anything? Um, do we have anything that'll put me in a better mood on your list here? Well, this is pretty nice. Let's talk about this Coke commercial. Um, this is, I think, a nice a nice piece, and actually, uh, well done. It was done in 2014, I believe. It was a Super Bowl commercial. It's called America the Beautiful, and the sound you're going to hear is the song, America the Beautiful, sung in a bunch of different languages. And the visuals start out with the very sort of conventional idea of America, a cowboy out on the, in the Rockies. But then it, it switches up, and you've got people all over the country. All, everyone's a real American. People in the cities, people of color, people uh, from different countries, people of different religions. So why don't we listen to it a little bit, because you can hear the different languages. Three thoughts. Number one, that's the song I should have started this summer with. <laughs> I really like the Chicano Batman. Uh, number two, did you notice the uh, ceiling of that uh, one of the last shots that was shot in that uh, that roller skating rink we used to go to in L.A.? That's right. With the very iconic place um, with the uh, colored uh, lights on the ceiling. Um, and thirdly, this is going to make me sound like such a dingus, but... When you were setting this up and it was playing in the background and you were talking about the kind of how it's got classic American imagery, I forgot for a second that it was a Coke commercial and I almost interjected. You said, you know, farmers, people at the movies, and I almost said people holding Cokes. Yeah, like, there are plenty Coke, of people holding Cokes. It, but I was not saying it as it's a Coke commercial. Like yeah. they have, I mean, for generations now done such such a good job of their product representing America. And like, for better or for worse, you cannot deny that. It's amazing. No, they have. I To their everlasting credit, because, I mean, it's basically poison. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I everything that I know about Coke and soda and, and all the basically terrible things that soda is doing to us, and I still... And maybe it's partly being an Atlanta person. You can't you can't imagine right. what it's like in Atlanta. I mean, it's it's like a religion there in a certain way. Like you would never. I mean, you've seen me at a restaurant. Like I won't order. I won't even take a Pepsi. You rejected an RC Cola in front of me once. I was astounded. Yeah, it's just something you kind of grow up with, and it's 
partly uh, what I think is my my taste preference, but I'm sure it's also about where like some you know it's, it's an emotional part. It's an emotional decision making, and that that's a credit to Coke. Okay, now I got two questions for you. Number one, have you ever put peanuts in your Coke, and do you like it? I have done it. One in one A. Yeah, I mean, that's such an old school way of doing things, um, of drinking a Coke in Atlanta. Um, I've tried it. It doesn't do anything for me. Does it taste, change the taste of the Coke? It makes it saltier. Makes it salty. Okay. My next question for you. Can we get through one episode without you playing a Carlos Mencina commercial? Do you mean Mencia? That would have been funnier if I pronounced his name right. Yeah. Yeah, hard to nail that one. Hard to nail that one. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not a Carlos Mencia fan. And after this ad, I was even less of one. Yeah, this is a Bud Light ad that you pulled here? Yeah, so in 2007, uh, Carlos Mencia, the comedian and uh, well-known joke stealer. Uh, I believe it's Mencina. <laughs> uh, did, he, was the, he was the face of Bud Light for this Super Bowl commercial. Um, it's interesting to me how many Super Bowl commercials were ultimately in this kind of roundup that I oh, did. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I guess it's because, I mean, Super Bowl is one of those things where, like, there's so many Americans watching. I mean, you know, people, so many people in America are watching it, and it really uh, maybe behooves some of these advertisers to make people think about their products as being inclusive, can I add one more, like, more boring level to that as well? Especially for commercials that are 10 years old or older, you're just going to have way more Super Bowl commercials online. That's true. Then you're going to have just normal, everyday, like, Tide commercials. No, that's true. But I do think there is something specific about immigration and immigrant stories, particularly before. I mean, we, we think about immigration now, and it's such a fraught topic, and everybody's got an opinion. For generations, it was the Schoolhouse Rocks narrative that everyone bought into. Like, we're a melting pot. Immigration is, you know, net positive. I mean, there were the, always the, like, the racists and the people who, like, had a problem with, you know, illegal people being here illegally. But, like, it's hard to remember now. But for most of our lives, this wasn't at the top of everybody's, like, you know, hit list. I mean, it was just, it was just sort of immigration, generic good. And that just has really changed um, thanks to the right. Um, but this is so this is keep in mind from uh, 10 years ago. Uh, and Carlos Mencia, the comedian, is teaching an, like a citizenship class. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe just English as a second or language English class. as a second language class. Yeah, he's, he's talking to a bunch of immigrants and, and helping them like learn English, but in the form of telling them how to ask for a Bud Light. And they're clearly from all different countries. Right. As you'll hear from their um, the not broad at all accents. Right. Okay, class. If you're in the South, you say, Hey, feller, give me a Bud Light. Hey, feller, give me a Bud Light. In New York, you say, Hey, give me a Bud Light. You got a problem with that? Bud Light. You got the problem with that. In East L.A., you say, Give me a Bud Light, Holmes. Give me a Bud Light, Holmes. More importantly, if somebody asks you for a Bud Light, you say, No speak English. Refreshingly smooth mm. Bud Light. Always worth it. Mm. Bud Light? Bud Light. Bud Light. Bud Light. Really trying to cover its bases by starting, this is a classic thing, you start by making fun of white people, white good old boys, and then you're just like, eh, we're just covering everybody. Yeah, I mean, that's that's Carlos Mencia to a T is like, oh, no one's safe. But, you From know, but, but we all know there's a difference between punching up and punching down. 
Um, yeah. And I think he's sort of a he's sort of a puncher downer. Just generally speaking, I just don't. And think also, we, just it's just gross to me. Yeah, we just don't need to make commercials like that. I'm not saying no. that we need to ignore differences, and there are plenty of. I'm not saying you should be put in jail to, about right, it it's or just, anything. Yeah, I just it, it, I if I worked. Um, for any kind of company and, uh, you know, we had a creative team or a firm and they wanted to go down any road like that, especially for a laugh and especially to sell some beer, there are a million better, more interesting, funnier ways to get a laugh. A funny coda about that, or f- not funny, haha, a weird coda about that. I was looking, I was trying to find if there had been any backlash to that ad and 10 years ago as i said there was just less of a conversation around that and i don't think it really registered with people or with any kind of mainstream media as being offensive and to be fair it's not wildly offensive it's I mean, not wildly I offensive would, it's just i would be the dumb. first to agree it's just sort of dumb but i read this blog angry asian man blog it's actually a pretty good blog um he kind of comments and writes about asian portrayals in pop culture and he had written about this way back in the day and he said he got a press release from Budweiser saying that the, all, all the immigrants who were in that, all the people who played immigrants in that classroom mm-hmm. were like going on tour to different bars. Oh, wow. Like, I, and, and then I tried to go, I really went down a rabbit hole trying to find out if there was any press release about right. this that I could dig up. But of course, it's just, it's just gone in the ether. But can you imagine what that would have been? What a shit show that would have been. Because you said that that was funny, but not haha funny. I'm obliged to play this. He's really having trouble keeping his balance. He's still funny, but not haha funny. <laughs> How do you feel about checking in with uh, commercials in the news? Let's do it. Commercials in the news. All right, I mentioned this at the top of the show. The NFL is uh, not reversing, but let's say, adapting one of its long-held rules that I am just astounded was one of its long-held rules. And that rule was, apparently, no hard alcohol commercials during NFL games or pre-games or post-games, which blows my mind because I think of the hard liquor ads that we've talked about on um, this show in the past. I'm thinking specifically of Jim Beam, the Mila Kunis ads that she does for Jim Beam, um, the Ray Liotta tequila commercial we've talked about. There's a whole bunch of them. And I don't watch that much TV, but I feel like I was inundated with these things. And so I've always assumed that I was getting those ads, especially the the brown liquor ones during football games, but I guess I wasn't. The NFL did not allow until this season. They're just putting their toes in the water of... And the dollars in their wallets. And the dollars in their wallets of uh, of advertising or letting like their, whatever you would call them, member stations, partner stations, advertise hard liquor. Yeah, I... I was shocked, too, because if you had asked me, hey, do they play liquor ads during football? I would have said yes. But also, it's it's just one of those things like you don't register when it's not happening. This is crazy. So I'm going to read a bunch here directly from the Wall Street Journal because there's a lot of dazzling details in this story. Um, NFL ads... NFL adds liquor to the menu of advertisers. In a change of its advertising policy, the NFL will allow television partners to accept commercials for distilled spirits in this upcoming 2017 season. Um, the NFL said it will accept no more than four 30-second hard liquor spots per game. So that's four spots per game with a limit of two in any quarter or during halftime. 
In addition, the uh, the networks can run a couple in their pregame and postgame programs as well. They also have to include a prominent social responsibility message, which, by the way, the only one that I've watched so far um, just had very, 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 very tiny at the bottom said something like, please enjoy responsibly. So I guess that's that's the message. That's the prominent social responsibility message? Yes, I guess so. Um, they're not allowed to make any references directly to the game. And I don't mean the game you're watching Unlike at that moment. Unlike beer, which is always about, basically, uh, just about football. Sure, like a bunch of bros, like, escaping their wives. I guess I've gotten a little bit better than that. And, like, you know, tailgating and doing all this stuff. Like, you're not allowed to have any kind of football-related activity or direct, you know, marketing towards the game of football in your liquor spots. Right. Um let me see here. Uh, they they have. I was reading all. You read this too, right? There's all kinds of interesting rules. Yes, that uh, I did not know about. They cannot. You you can now. Well, this is unrelated to the liquor and and uh, liquor rules, but they they can add. They can have advertise for boner pills, but they cannot add advertise for anything related to contraception. Yeah. So here's the prohibited advertising categories: condoms, any other form of birth control. Um, you, as you said, though, that does not uh, at all apply to erectile dysfunction drugs, uh, as the Wall Street Journal points out. Um, let's see. While many people like to mix their vodka with an energy drink, they won't get that idea from the NFL, which wants nothing to do with Red Bull and similar energy drinks. So in other words, you won't be able to advertise any kind of energy drink there. So they have always not allowed like Red Bull or Five Hour Energy. Or I whatever? guess not. I That's had such no a idea. Weird prohibition. Um, Fox rejected a Super Bowl commercial for GNC. The uh, what do you call it? The nutrient. Nutrients, the yeah, but like nutrient supplement. Supplement company because um, and that actually makes a little bit of sense because they sell things that if you were to find it in a player's blood or piss would be illegal. I don't think you... Not illegal, but, you know, against the rules of the NFL. They sell things at a regular GNC that a football player... I mean, why is why would that be illegal? I mean, well, they, it don't, says they don't here, sell steroids at GNC. No, but there's all kinds of, like, performing enhancing supplements that are not considered steroids that you're not allowed to... Really? That they can't find in the Even body. Even if you can yeah, buy yeah, them yeah. over the counter? Yes. Yes, absolutely. What about, my, what about my amino acids? Are those allowed? I don't. I don't know. They really work, though. Are you worried about whether or not you're going to be able to play football? I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to play for the NFL. I know, yeah. I know. I've been taking those um, amino acids like candy. Let's see here. Gambling is still a red flag, including ads for any hotel that features gambling, even if it weren't refer- even if gambling isn't referenced specifically in the commercial. Now, that raises a question for me, because what about, it was two or three seasons ago where it was all about the quote-unquote fantasy football pay sites yeah. that was just, and I think those two companies merged. Can't remember them off the top of my head. Um, But it was clearly just like quasi-legal gambling. Some states shut it down. But I swear they had ads for those things in every single football game I watched. I'm sure that they they threaded some tiny loophole. Mm. They also can't uh, do tourism ads for places that allow gambling. So Las Vegas can't advertise. This kind of explains why. That kind of explains why when you watch football, it's basically car and beers. Cars and beers. Yeah, and I think this article also mentions like kind of business to business kind of networky kind of right. stuff. But think about it. Las Vegas is going to have an NFL team in two years. It's the Chargers are going to Vegas. But Las Vegas as a tourist city cannot air an ad during an NFL game. 
Is that not insane? It's, the whole thing's insane. The whole thing's ridiculous. This idea that the NFL is holding up some sort of like, uh, you know, that there that there's some sort of like mor- morality police is a farce. It's a it's it's offensive. Lottery ads are acceptable. Sure, why not? As is general advertising for horse and dog racing or state and municipal off-track betting organizations. How do you? How do you thread that needle? Yeah, or apparently this needle is the size of the door in that wall in the 84 Lumber commercial. Yeah. The NFL is also worried. I'm reading directly here again from uh, the journal. The NFL is also worried about excessively violent movies and video games being advertised during their violent games. By the way, this is not in the editorial. This is not an editorial I'm reading. Yeah. Um, it's just the news. And it's also the journal, by yeah. the way. The league said it will determine whether a video game or movie crosses the line when it comes to violence. And while marijuana has become legal in many states, the only thing the NFL wants high in its games are the punts. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me about the marijuana. Sure. Like, it's a bunch of... I don't uh, think anybody is allowing marijuana commercials, are they? I haven't seen any. Yeah. And we live in a state where it's legal. Yeah. So anyway, I, I found so much of that fascinating. I did not know that um, you couldn't have booze commercials, but now you will be able to see... We'll keep an eye out. A few. Um, I'm just going to uh, leave uh, leave you this with this one. Um, one of the first ones we've seen so far was airing during the preseason. And it was for Patron, the tequila. It's a quick 15-seconder. And it's one of those things where you just see like a, you know, like a beautiful, it's, it's almost black and white, uh, just a glass with rocks the clear liquor being poured into it, splashing around. No words, just a little bit of music. And then it says in text on the screen, here's to a great start. And then it says, in a simply perfect finish. So the Wall Street Journal, I know it was Ad Age, I think pointed out, like they're just getting up there. They're not supposed to be able to reference what's going on in the world of football, but they're airing these during preseason games. Here's to a good start. And then quickly saying, and to a clean finish or whatever right. it is. To so, sort of bring it back to the Right. Alcohol. So, oh, we're not talking about football. We're yeah, not talking about I football. Mean, that's a, it's, it's, it's subtle enough that I think it's, uh, they could get away with it. Yeah. And then here, I want, I want you to see how, and so I have that commercial right here. There's no point in really playing it. It's just this, this sound of, you know, they're showing the Patron bottle and everything. But look, look at the very end. I'm going to skip here. Point of skipping. Look how tiny it says enjoy responsibly is. Here it is. Like it is almost oh, yeah. unreadable. The perfect way to enjoy Patron is responsibly. Boy, I'm glad they got that uh, that prominent the, message in the there. The prominent message of social responsibility. <laughs> you really, I feel like, need a magnifying glass to see that. Yeah, it's like the font's even in a shade lighter than the rest it's of the like, font. It's almost, it's, it's almost like a magic eye game. Some people will be able to see it and some people won't. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind Well, we're talking about uh, current events, 
whether you're talking about immigration or the upcoming football season. Let's uh, let's stick with that as we check in with our ad council. Um, I did not check the email box. I just went to the uh, the Facebook page today and saw what people were talking about there. Uh, Genevieve, I don't think you let me in the email account anymore. I doubt you know the password. <laughs> I got it somewhere. Um, but we did get uh, this note from listener Harvey, uh, coincidentally, about Hurricane Harvey. Um, he says, with all the talk of Mattress Mac opening his warehouse doors when the evangelist wouldn't. Joel Austin. Joel Austin. I thought that I would drop off. I think it's Mencina. Uh, Joel Mencina. I thought I'd drop off a playlist of uh, Mattress Mac's commercials. I had emailed them to you guys uh, a while back. So Mattress Mac is it's not the name of the company. The name of the company is actually Gallery Furniture. But this guy has been doing those really lowbrow, local-style uh, commercials for decades now. And I think he's kind of an institution uh, down in L.A. and as I'm sorry, down in um, Houston. And as uh, listener Harvey points out, uh, he was one of the people who, when he realized that people were in big trouble, opened up his doors and just let people come in and sleep there. They were sleeping on... Um, he said something like, we have all kinds of like oversized furniture for like, you know, people's entertainment rooms and stuff. And he was on the phone with Morning Edition. I was listening. You probably, did you hear it too? He's I like, didn't hear it. I mean, I heard like about this, but I didn't hear the story. all over the place. Yeah. So I thought in, uh, in Mattress Max uh, Honor, we'd play maybe the, at least the first in this playlist of Mattress Mac uh, commercials. This one looks like it's from the early 80s, maybe the 70s. It's a little bit hard to hear what he's saying, but it's super low budget. And what he's saying is, is in a recent local poll, these commercials have been rated both the best and worst commercials in Houston. A recent poll in the Houston Post listed gallery furniture as having the best television ads in Houston. And also listed gallery furniture as having the worst television ads in Houston. The reason they're the worst is because of the talent, which is me. But the reason they're the best is because gallery furniture really will have a huge selection of home furniture for you to look at, furniture in stock, immediate delivery, and gallery furniture really will save you money. Gallery at furniture. the end, he jumps up. He just like awkwardly grabs some money out of his back pocket and I, just jumps. He's such he's a, a nerd. He's adorable. Is he not wonderful? He's really wonderful. And it's nice to know that he's a, a, a true... A true mensch. Yes. Oh, do you want to... Um, uh... Folks, this is Mattress Mac, and I'd like to talk to you about one quarter of your life, six hours a night you spend in bed. I just want to point out that he is basically wearing a mattress. They've taken a mattress, they've hollowed it out, and his arms and head are sticking out. He looks very uncomfortable. Quarter of your life, six hours a night you spend in bed. If your mattress is older than 10 years old, older than 10 years old, pick it up and throw it out. Come to Gallery Furniture, get yourself a beautiful new Sealy Posturepedic mattress. Get the best sleep money can buy on a Sealy Posturepedic mattress. They're all on sale right now. Gallery saves you money. I don't know if they're still on sale. You can right tell now. that he's on a. They're, ha- they're using a boom mic there because when he turns away, you can't yeah. really hear him. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, so good. Good on him. Yeah, um, he deserves all the free press he can get. Let's see. Uh, I want to play this one from. Bill in Toronto. It's for McDonald's, but specifically Canadian McDonald's. They make a point of it. And I'll play it because I want you to see it, Viz, but it's just music. And it's showing all these different types of McDonald's customers that they've kind of made up. So, like, they show a little girl drinking milkshake with, you can tell she has brand new braces. She looks a little bit miserable coming back from the orthodontist. And she's uh, drinking a milkshake 
while her sympathetic mom looks on, and she's called the trooper. And then you have a bunch of people who are kind of dressed like they just had a night out on the town, and it says the after partiers, and you have the coffee crew, the old people getting together at McDonald's. It's kind of a, you know, McDonald's does these montages really well, right? Yeah. Well, Bill takes exception to the first example they show. They're called the pickle exchange, which is weird. First of all, I would have called it the pickle exchangers. Um, And it's two young men, I'm going to say early 20s probably, and they both have their burgers in front of them. They're at McDonald's, and uh, they both pick the tops off, the top buns off their burgers, and one of them, I think, grabs the other one's pickles, or maybe the one guy takes pickles off his own. Everyone has the pickle exchange friend. pickle exchange friend. Yeah, the pickle exchange. So the guy grabs him off of his own burger and then puts him on his friend's burger. Well, Bill is a little bit grossed out by that. He says, um, uh, the first two chaps in this ad, you know, he's Canadian because he says chaps. The first two chaps, maybe he's British. The first two chaps in this ad better be dating. To him, it's incredibly gross that a non-dating couple of friends would just like grab pickles off of somebody's burger and then throw it on somebody else's burger. Oh, I don't think that's gross. I don't think it's that gross either. Um, however, I'm glad that Bill brought this to my attention because I think there's some, I, there's one other really interesting part about this. So we are, we have the pickle exchange here. Here's the trooper, the young girl drinking the milkshake. Here we have the negotiators, two kids trading their Happy Meal toys. Now here, we just see a car, like a, a, a station wagon, a modern station wagon parked in McDonald's parking lot, and it says, the pee break. And we just see a little girl get out of the back seat of the car and run towards the McDonald's. There's no indication that any parents are going in with her to buy food or anything. McDonald's, at least McDonald's Canada, is kind of explicitly saying, yeah, we're also just a place where you get to piss sometimes. We're not going to give you a hard time about it if you don't buy anything. True story. I was in a Dairy Queen recently uh, with a friend of mine, and we were stopping to get snacks, but she also had to use the restroom, and she really had to go. So I was standing out in front of the counter getting ready to place our orders, but I was waiting for her to tell me what she wanted. Uh-huh. And she went to go to the restroom, and then she came back out and said, oh, it's locked. I need a key. And the woman behind the counter said, are you ordering anything? And she said, yeah, I just, we were ordering something, but I just need to use the restroom. Well, I'll give it to you this once, but you're supposed to order before you go in. I'm like, we're in like the, we're in somewhere in like sort of rural Washington. Hmm. Like, is this really, is, are people, are a lot of people scamming the Dairy Queen bathroom? I wonder if McDonald's or at least some McDonald's are just realizing that, yeah, good to get people through the door. Like Absolutely. you see the golden arches, the golden arches, right? Is this like a golden shower reference? It's like a stream of pee. I'm really tired. <laughs> um, you see the gold arches and you think, okay, well, let's stop there. We can they have clean restrooms. We can use it. And then chances are, what, four out of five people on a road trip are going to buy I'm going to say 99 something. out of 100. Oh, that's right. Because just the other day, I was in a car full of people. There were three of us. And we were getting on the highway. And one of us had to use the restroom. 
So we stop, and I was telling you this story. The other two people ended up getting food, and I was just like, nah, I'm fine. And you couldn't believe that I stood in a McDonald's and didn't order anything. Yeah, I, I honestly cannot even fathom that. Anyway, I like the fact that they're kind of embracing it. And also, I think it's very nice at the very end, they have the newlyweds as well. Now, I don't know what kind of a wedding party goes and it's, to... it's two women, we should say. Yeah, I don't know what kind of wedding party goes to McDonald's after the wedding, but it is nice that it's it's two women and, and they're kissing. There's the a certain Have you seen ma- this before? No, I've never seen this. Yeah. I, I will say there's a there's a point at the after party of a wedding where everybody's wants junk food everyone's drunk and if you see mcdonald's at the right moment i could totally see going in there with a bunch of wedding guests maybe Uh, not the brides maybe hopefully they have something better to be doing um okay vanessa had a good uh commercial uh post about the discover card that really hits on something that you and i talk about a lot but i want to save that for next week if that's okay so if you're back in charge of the ad council next week i want to make sure that you (laughs) copy my notes over um because i want to just take it off the tv screen and close out with this i feel like we've done a lot of social justicey talk today and this is we're um, real sjw's today right we're SJPs, social justice podcasters. Um, <laughs> this is actually a little bit outside of our field because this is about print advertising, specifically actually outdoor style advertising that Missy posted this to our uh, group. It is an ad campaign that took place in a couple of um, stops on the Boston T. That's like their you know, light rail system, right? Did you read this, by the way? I did. This kind of maybe jump in and help me explain this. They have these uh, signs up for Samsung Knox. That's K N O X. It's a playoff of Fort Knox, right? And it's for this specific feature on Samsung phones. I don't know if it's extra or not. Um, that it's means so extra. <laughs> if you lose your phone. Uh, it has uh, some, you know, extra built-in security features right. so that people won't be able to hack into you and, you know, all of your personal life. Uh, but it was raising some ire. And I, I one of the most prominent people to um, bring it up is a guy who is running for mayor in Boston. I'm sorry I don't have his name in front of me uh, right now. Um, but I will tell you more about this ad. The big poster says, we'll keep your work stuff safe if you go to Alewife and your phone goes to Mattapan. So almost like a, almost like a, you know, airport, like you're going one way, uh-oh, your luggage is going somewhere right, else. Right, so except you, in a, it's a very hyper-local reference that would only make sense to people who have lived in Boston or who are in Boston. Exactly. And Missy says, uh, your ad is racist. For those of you not familiar with Boston, which is a very segregated city, Alewife is a subway stop in Cambridge, mostly white, and Mattapan is mostly black. It's a neighborhood that's mostly black and is known as a, quote, bad neighborhood. She mentions that it kind of gets a little bit complicated that it might look at first glance like these are the two ends of the line, but technically they are not. And she says someone seriously should have caught this because the idea is you're going home to your nice little white rich life in the Alewife and in, in, in the Cambridge area, but oh no, your phone is going to the black part of town. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for anybody who might be thinking, oh, that's overthinking it. I don't know why I got to pick a fight with a straw man here. Or a straw woman. Women can be straw men too now. Can You just would not see this ad if it said, we're going to keep your work stuff safe. 
when you're going to Mattapan and your phone's heading to Alewife. Yeah. That just wouldn't happen. No, it wouldn't. And that's and that's the test, right? Is like, does this ad work equally well, or can you imagine it being, or are there ex- are there examples of this campaign that are the reverse, where it's like, uh, you know. The stuff is the stuff is abandoned in a mostly white, rich neighborhood. Right, and of course you're not seeing it. Of course it's a dog whistle, and they got busted, and they should have. And it's one of those things. I always think of dog whistle as you kind of know what you're doing. And they knew what they were doing. I bet you this is one where it didn't even occur to them. I mean, they knew what they were doing. I don't think that it even occurred to them that like, oh yeah, this is kind of a dog it's just like it's white people talking to white people right I think. but it's it maybe it's not a dog whistle whistle in the way that trump does it or you know trying to where like, where it's i mean yeah, trump trump's so incompetent at it that it his dog whistles sound like you know he's shouting through a bullhorn like right racism is cool right but but sometimes dog whistles are just um like it's just the lived experience of privilege and racism right i think this is more um just institution this is what you mean when it's institutional i don't think anybody sitting in that room was kind of like oh i don't like poor people or i don't like people of color i think it's just like hey you just don't think about it i guarantee you're right that no one said no one said oh we should we should pick this one because it's a black neighborhood but i'll bet you it i don't think it's that unreasonable to say like oh you know we're a businessman wouldn't want his phone ending up in Mattapan. By the way, the name of the mayoral candidate, he's a city councilor in Boston right now. His name is Tito Jackson. Um, you lived in Boston for a while. Was he a player? Is Tito Jackson? Yeah. Like the Jackson Five? Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, so I take it that was not somebody that you knew as a politician when you were living no, there. No, but it's been, been forever. 15, 20 years now. Um, he says, we cannot ignore that uh, Mattapan is a neighborhood that is predominantly people of color. And so he was raising this issue as well and they did end up taking the signs down there were two signs and two different yeah. stops so. I, look it's i'm sure someone someone somewhere is outraged and, and calling everybody snowflakes but that's a that's a legit criticism and it is it is those subtle cues that tell everyone that black people are dangerous yeah thanks for sending missy yeah thank you missy you can sell anything Sorry, I'm so brain dead tonight. I wish well, I could do the whole show over. No, you don't need to apologize to me There's because ash falling from the sky. Yeah, you guys, in the I know Northwest. we sounded a little out of it today. It is like literally a hellscape in Seattle right now. It's a million degrees. The sun is a red orb. It's true, glaring through a fall of ash from the fire, forest fires. So. We're just dealing with a lot right now. <laughs> Andrew, thank you for putting the show together. I no, did, you did basically the, nothing. What are you kidding me? You did the main segment. Well. What are we going to call the show, by the way? We haven't figured that out. I don't know. Um, and by the way, you don't have to thank me for doing some work on the show because you did more than me. But you can thank me for not using Neil Diamond's They're Coming to America. Because yeah, I, I, I almost, I almost just did that. And then I was thinking, well, maybe we should just do Song Sung Blue. That's another good Neil Diamond song. <laughs> and then it was 30 minutes of listening to Neil Diamond. <laughs> all right. Just a reminder, all of those uh, messages I just read did come from our Facebook group. Please join. It's uh, it's a really fun time. There is one guy who I keep on trying to accept, and you keep I on trying to accept. I think he's accept. I think he's in. 
but uh, there is one person who has he's done all the he's answered the questions. I keep accepting it, and the Facebook keeps telling me that he is not approved. Right. So I, think I don't know. He, if I you're think having any issues, get at us. Yeah. Um, so join the Facebook group. Just search for After These Messages Show in Facebook. You can email us at After These Messages Show at gmail.com. And Vs, what's the voicemail number? That's 607 444 5597. And this is episode number 96, which means we are. Four episodes away from doing our 100th episode. Still no ideas. We'll probably figure it out the day of. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. 401ks, Bobos, yuppies. Yeah, I'm talking about wine drinkers, bald head men, clucks playing swine thinkers. What motivates you? Let's go around.